Let me tell you a funny story. So when I first started getting into fitness, I literally bought the most expensive protein. I'd research all day to figure out which one was gonna be the best, and then I always settled on the one that cost the most because I thought if it's expensive, it must be good. to today's episode of the Business Meets Fitness podcast with Lauren Tickner and James Smith. And today we're gonna to be talking all about supplements. What do you need? What don't you need? And are you getting conned with the supplements that you're currently buying? By the way, if you're a fitness coach or if you're someone who's just trying to get the best at your fitness that you possibly can, then you are gonna love this episode. Please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story, tagging me at Lauren Tickner and tagging James at coach underscore James underscore Smith. We would appreciate it a lot. And James and I both have free content that you can download that I've left linked in the show notes. It's targeted at fitness coaches because we want to help fitness coaches become the best coaches they possibly can be. So we both have a freebie for you. There's two in there. Make sure to jump on them, check them out and enjoy this episode. So James is going to dive in to, to discuss if, uh, if you're getting conned right now. So the short answer is technically you don't need any supplements. You should be focusing on getting all your nutrients, protein, everything from kind of your diet. Um, however, in a realistic world, this isn't actually possible. So how come you take pre-workout, use protein supplements and all that? So I use protein supplements because A, I'm trying to hit a fairly high, it's not high, but in terms of the average recommended kind of allowance set by the government, it would be high. I'm not made of money. So I can't always afford to get my protein from um, from whole food sources. And whey protein becomes one of the cheapest like per serving for protein. Um, so I use that to kind of hit my protein target day to day when I'm kind of try- struggling to hit it or I'm in a rush. Um, when it comes to pre-workout, I only really take it if I'm in like an energy deficit and on a day where I'm kind of struggling... I'm not kind of up for the gym um, and I need something to try and get motivated. So I take some pre-workout, it just switches me on, I get focused and then I go in and have a good session. Okay, I get you. So to wrap that up, protein is good if you are somebody who's not already hitting your protein requirements. So when it comes to actual protein requirements, let's say somebody's tracking their macros, I would typically say 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Is that what you would also advise, James? Yeah, 100%. Um, but you get all these people that are ploughing like north of 200 grams of protein a day. Oh, I used to have 250 grams of protein per day when I was first starting. When I was 17, I, I don't know, I just had this fear of carbs and I thought that protein was heaven and it was going to make me make gains without ever making me gain any fat and I thought that it was everything that I needed and I didn't have an understanding of the energy balance equation so you've all heard my story where I um, <laughs> I thought that every single day I had to burn more calories than I consumed on the cross trainer so I literally thought if I burned 500 calories per day on the cross trainer and only ate 300 calories I thought I'd be burning fat and obviously that was a terrible mindset unfortunately I fell out of that very quickly but this is why I'm super passionate about helping people not fall into this trap so back to what we were saying protein is going to be good if you're not already hitting it now this is especially good if you're perhaps somebody who's vegan and you aren't able to hit the amount of protein that you need to eat in your diet to sustain your muscle mass um, because you find that you're racking up loads of carbs or loads of fats if you're eating loads of black beans all day long or something and also, that might not be so good on the old gut. So that could be when it is a good decision to implement protein into your diet. For example, my nanny, she's vegetarian, my dad's mum, 
And I just gave her some protein because she struggles to eat enough protein every day and it's just as important for her as it would be for, okay, maybe not just as important because she's not training, but it's still really important for her as an everyday person to still consume enough protein. Now when it comes to actually which one to choose, because I for sure used to get hung up on this, which protein do I choose? There are so many different options on the market. So James, when somebody's looking for a protein powder, what do you advise them to look out for? I say initially you shouldn't be paying more than I reckon £25 for a kilo of whey. I think there's plenty of good whey out there for between £15 and £25 for a kilo. So firstly that should be your just number one. If it's more than £25 chances are I'm paying for a lot of branding and marketing. Um, always look at the kind of the protein quantity per serving um, and be careful on scoop sizes. So someone might say their serving size is 30 grams. Some might say it's 34, some might say it's 40. So look at, rather than looking at the serving size, look at the grammage per 100 grams. Mm. So something might have 70 grams of protein per 100 grams, another might have 40. So in a pure whey protein, you're looking at having a very high quantity of protein compared to kind of carbs and fats. Um, the ones that have very high carbs or fats have a lot of fillers um, and they often taste better in terms of flavour. Mm. However, they're not going to be fantastic kind of for the results and stuff that you're after. Yeah, they're often marketed as kind of like a meal replacement. So this kind of brings me on to the point of what about whey isolate, whey concentrate, or do I want a blend of protein? Now, personally, I know that when I'm selecting a protein powder, I will always select the blend of casein and whey purely because I prefer the texture and I just like it better. And now I don't consume protein as a protein shake. I will only ever have it if I'm mixing it into my oats when my oats are already cooked or if I'm baking with it or something. So that is why I really like the blend. But how about selecting between those three different ones? And maybe even selecting between like a soy protein or a beef protein other than the obvious things which could be dietary requirements or if you're vegan or something. Um, between concentrate and isolate, um in short, you're basically paying for the same kind of thing. Um, there will be more. There will be a price difference. Um, the isolate will be considerably more expensive. And one like they will argue that it gets digested quicker. However, in like, it's not what you need to worry about. Like the muscle, the tissue stays kind of elevated. If we look at this like real scientifically from training, stays elevated and um, receptive to kind of like muscle protein synthesis for up to forty eight hours. Unless you take steroids, when it's even more. Yeah. So, so we don't actually need anything to be like super fast, like absorbing and digestive. Um, however, if you're an athlete and you're like training once in a day and then training again four hours later, then it may be worth having like an isolate. And that's and sorry, I was just gonna say, and that's when you might want to have like glucose as well, just a a simple sugar drink or something, something mixed in with your whey. Yeah, I'd just throw in something like multi dextrin. I'd never throw in glucose because it goes thick and sticky. You know what I meant. <laughs> um, but then, um, in terms of the blend, the blend always tastes the best, um, and then you're gonna get kind of a faster digesting whey, um, plus a slower releasing casein. Um, however, if you're mixing your whey with milk you're also getting casein. So just a bear, in, like, bear in mind that if you're gonna have a mix and then mix it in with milk as well, you're basically just gonna have a whole host of casein and a little bit of whey. 
yeah so i think then it just comes down to uh, your what your budget is also what you prefer and there may be some brands that you just like the taste of you might like the way it mixes more but honestly just worrying about the specifics of all these different things is not serving you and especially if you're trying to advise to your clients i'll oh, buy this really expensive one then that's just going to put them off you're way better off just advising them the cheapest one that does the job and still tastes good so now let's move on to kind of all the other supplements now i've been oh bcaa's <laughs> Let me just first say right now, like, BCAAs, I would say for 99.99% of people, you are going to be wasting your money. They're expensive, and they really serve very minimal purpose. Now, I, whenever, every time I say this, people get all, like, uptight about it, and they're like, oh, but I like the taste of it. If you like the taste of your BCAAs, I'm not going to lie, like, I think you'd be in a way better position just to buy some orange squash. Yeah, squash tastes way better. Mm, the end of story. It's so much cheaper, right? Yeah. So, um, what's your verdict on BCAAs? Uh, the funny one is everyone takes BCAAs because they... They have like, excellent marketing. Well, like, they take course. it for, like, fasted cardio <laughs> because they think it stops catabolism of the muscle. And they're doing fasted cardio majority of the time because they think that fasted cardio is going to make them lose more fat. Correct. But if they take BCAAs, it's now no longer fasted cardio. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. But anyway, um, like they serve a purpose if you're going to get up and you're going to fast until... 12, 1 o'clock. Like, they do serve a purpose. It's very, very marginal, minimal, not worth the extortionate price you pay. And I'd also argue that this is really if you're in a calorie deficit. Like, if you're in a calorie surplus, then if I'm perfectly honest, like, I just don't think that it would be necessary at all. No, not at all. Because you've still got, like, just calories in your system that are going to keep you ticking over. Yeah. And I think some people will say they take it intra-workout. Um... To again stop kind of catabolism, like unless you're doing five hour sessions, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, it's not necessary. Mm. Like you're gonna become as catabolic between meals as you are in the session. Um, if you want to take something into a workout, start taking carbohydrates. Take some fast acting like glucose, uh, multidextrin, anything like that that's gonna be fast acting because a it's gonna help performance, and b it's gonna stop you from going catabolic. So yeah. just don't waste the money with BCAAs. Like and I'd even like say that. there, like, you'd be better off having actual whey than the BCAAs. Yeah, if you're going to fast until one, you're better off having a scoop of whey... Than the BCAAs. Than the BCAAs, because you're going to have a protein hit and the amino acids from the whey. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, so now there's a few other supplements which I'd like to touch upon. I think the interesting ones are, like, L-carnitine, and then... that's Do you know much about that? Because I don't know a massive amount... And um, I think that oftentimes all these supplements that are hyped up and they're like, this is the best for burning fat, and it's like L-carnitine or what are the other ones, taurine, these other random amino acids, like, really, I think you're just wasting your energy on things that are necessary. For example, if you were to spend that energy on actually just getting a better understanding of kind of calorie balance (laughs) and then different nutritional content of different foods by tracking macros and learning how to train in a more optimal fashion, I would argue that you are spending your energy in a better way. Or even just chilling, like, you know, just relaxing. Like, it's adding stress to your life that I just don't think you need. There's going to be someone who's going to wade in with the comment of, like, why do these pro-natural bodybuilders take all of these supplements? Mm. And my comment would be because everything they do is optimal, Mm. and they're now searching for, like, 0.5 or 1% over their competition. Yeah, that's such a good point. If you can't train, if you don't get to the gym four times a week consistently for periods of time, you don't hit your like 
macros or you're on point with nutrition relentlessly, not just Monday to Friday, like all the time, your sleep's optimal, your hydration's optimal, like every single aspect of your nutrition is optimal and training. And your life, like you're not stressed and yeah. all these different things. Then you can go searching for like 1% through the use of supplements. Yeah. Until then, it's just literally not worthwhile. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think this brings us on to the kind of, we're going to be talking about all things about bodybuilding in a separate podcast, which you will be seeing next week. So make sure to stay tuned for that and hit subscribe if you haven't already. But while we're on this topic, maybe let's discuss fat burners and all these thermogenics. And we could even add um, pre-workouts into the mix here. I know you did already mention it briefly earlier about why you personally take your pre-workout. Um, but what is your opinion on all of this? So fat burners don't work. Um, anything that's legal will not work any better than a cup of coffee. There are illegal ones out there that work absolute wonders. I've never tried one, however, they're illegal. AKA clan. Yeah, they're damaging to your health, all that kind of jazz. So they're just not worth even like delving into that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to actual fat burners that are marketed in the likes of supplement shops, the majority of the ingredients list are things like caffeine or green tea. Now, I can promise you, if you buy a tub of black coffee and some green tea tea bags, you will get the same results taking those fat burners for something stupid like one twentieth of the price. Yeah, I think this is interesting because I see that a lot of people in the States in particular, they will take, and I guess maybe it's because they have more legalities over there. However, they'll take these fat burners instead of actually consuming a pre-workout. And so I know that you take pre-workout. Now, obviously you mentioned before that you have it if you're feeling a bit tired and stuff. So why don't you just have a coffee? And then on top of that, why do you have the pre-workout and not the pill? Not the pill. I'm male, not female. Um, when it comes to... Like, sometimes I do have a coffee. I will have a coffee before most sessions, regardless of whether I feel down or anything. Like I like the taste of coffee, and I also like having a routine pre-session. So I like to go, right, I'm about to go and train, I have my coffee, then I'll go and train. Just a routine that I like to get into like a good headspace before I go and train. Mm-hmm. When it comes to mixing between pre-workout and coffee, it's basically what's available at that time. However... I prefer taking pre-workout, A, because the caffeine content is often a lot higher for the volume of liquid you have to consume. So with the coffee, for me to get 300 meg of caffeine in, I'm looking at like four coffees, whereas pre-workout, I can have two scoops. So I'm after kind of an optimal amount of caffeine where I perform better without taking loads of volume of like liquid where I would now feel like bloated or full. So that would be my first point for pre-workout. My second would be they're often filled with like filler, products in pre-workouts things like beta alanine which has no performance benefits very very marginal like, unless you're doing like a 600 meter run with even further than that i think i think it's now. Like maybe 800 um but you have to be taking like loads of it anyway but it does give you tingles like it pulls the blood to the surface of the skin and it makes you itch now if you can get the dosage right it kind of just works a placebo that you take in the pre-workout and now you feel like it's working. Yeah, so I think a good point here is the placebo effect, I think, massively. Um, so now let's just kind of wrap it up and discuss the difference between actually having a pre-workout supplement or a fat burner pill pre-workout. Because that's when you'd use a fat burner pill, like if you were going to use one, one of these natural ones, which obviously we're never going to ever recommend you use a unnatural one. So if you were to use one of these fat burning pills that you can buy from a random supplement company or a pre-workout, what's the difference? You're basically looking at like the content of the ingredients that are in it. Yeah. The fat burning pill will have things that have shown 
marginal effects on like um, fat loss. However, the marginal effects will be based down to an increased heart rate or increased thermogenesis. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think the fact is, you know, there's going to be more caffeine and there won't be the things like the beta alanine in there. So if you don't like having the tingles, then you might be better off having the pre-work, the, the fat burning pill before you drink. Yeah, 100% I agree. Cool. It, it depends on whether you prefer swallowing a pill or consuming liquid. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it comes down For to. For sure, 100%. And so now, I guess, the other things are like multivitamin, omega-3s. Is it worthwhile taking these? Like, I don't eat much fatty fish other than when we go for sushi. <laughs> so, uh, what would you advise? Like, if um, someone that doesn't really eat much omega-3 in my diet anyway, would it be worthwhile taking these omega-3s? They're expensive. Like, should I take them? I, I do advise people to take, like, fish oils. Um, mainly because to eat the kind of requirements of like DHA and EPA, the kind of the healthy fats, the fish oils, the omegas from fish is actually quite difficult. Yeah. And even more so, if you're in a calorie deficit, the chance of you opting for salmon over a piece of like cod or chicken, chicken based on the kind of Cows. calorie consumption, you're not going to do it. So that's kind of definitely where you should be taking some fish oils. Okay, so when it comes to fish oil, should you buy the most expensive one or is that just another marketing ripoff? Again, it's like up there with the marketing ripoff. There's, I'd always say, without going into so much detail about each individual supplement, look at what's a super expensive one and then look at what's a really cheap one from Tesco's. <laughs> then compare ingredients. Um, this will again come on the multivitamins. So one of my clients was having an issue with one of their clients. Um, their client was paying £75 a month to a supplement company who would send them a whole host of pills and tablets that they needed to take. Oh, one of the subscription things. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they then took a photo of the ingredients list that their client had sent them and then sent it to myself. All I then did was send a photo back of the Tesco's ingredients list for their multivitamin. And it was nigh on exactly the same, except it was missing iron. Now, I can promise you, iron is not worth £73, <laughs> the difference between the two. So I think that's the one of the key things, is to look at the ingredients list of a cheap one, look at the ingredients list of an expensive one, then compare. However, my resounding piece of advice would be go middle ground. Don't go super cheap, don't go super expensive. What you will find is if you have a really cheap one, the absorption through the kind of the skin of the capsule um, will be a whole host slower and you probably won't even absorb all of it. So that's like the problem with the really cheap one. So just go middle ground. When it comes to multivitamin, get as cheap as possible. Yeah, and I think as a fitness coach or as someone who's interested in, you know, doing the best you can in your fitness and you're looking to supplementation, which you obviously are if you're listening to this, then I think it's just as important to do your research, educate yourself and figure out and learn as much as you possibly can about it. Like it's just at the end of the day, the most important thing is realizing that these things are all to give you an edge and that a lot of times the money that you're spending, you'd be better off potentially spending on educating yourself constantly about different topics because it's so easy to get ripped off. It's so easy to get conned. And that's why we're here to help you understand this and to just, yeah, to just realize that there are certain things that you should probably just not waste your money on. Like that's my, that's my overall wrap up on this. Okay, if someone was gonna ask you for your three supplements that you tell people to take, what would they be? Well, I think it just really depends on where you are in the stage of your life right now. Like for me at the moment, if I was to actually tell people which supplements they need to take, I think I'd probably just say have a multivitamin. 
Um, and the interesting thing is that multivitamins, you don't actually want it. Because I used to think, oh, I'll just take, I'll double up on my multivitamins so I'm getting even more vitamins. But you actually shouldn't do that because it's not good to be totally maximizing out the and getting like 100%, 100% on all of the different components of the multivitamin. It's better to have kind of a, I don't know, like 60% or something along those lines. It's healthier for your body. Well, you just end up with like literally like, you remember that nuclear green thing that they had in The Simpsons that the bloke used to throw, mm. like, your piss will turn that colour. Yeah, true. And you end up just pissing it out anyway, so yeah. it's not worth it. So I always say take their dosage, maybe even sub a tablet off if they say take four, and then focus on getting whole foods, because what you don't want to do is go, oh, it's fine, I'm taking a multivitamin, then never eat vegetables and micronutrients. Yeah, exactly. So if I was to tell people through supplements, like, I just don't know what I'd say. Oh, we didn't even mention about creatine. Oh, oh, we can do it. We'll do a separate video on that. Okay, we'll video. do a separate one on creatine. Um, but I probably would say creatine. I'd say protein if you're struggling to consume enough protein. Anyway, I personally don't struggle to consume enough protein because I love chicken and I love beef and all that. So that's totally fine for me. So honestly, like if I was to advise something, I would actually just say like start buying off muscle food like it's flipping good and you can get some great meat on there for a good price and it means that you can spend your money in a better way i've left my personalized link and my personalized bundle in the show notes so definitely go check that out because i created a special one i suddenly just remembered about that because i think if i was yeah to advise one thing it'd be just spend this money spend the money that you're, you'd save on all the supplements that you're trying to buy on whole foods and just good quality nutritious food what about you yeah, I'd say whey multivitamin. Make sure the multivitamin's got zinc and iron in it. Mm. That's it. If you don't, then start supplementing. Oh, magnesium. I'd magnesium. say magnesium because that helps me sleep. Okay. Um, but I'd say whey multivitamin. Poor. Oh. It'd be a toss-up between omega-3 and creatine. Um, creatine, would, yeah, pro- creatine would probably be last based on like general pot people. But when it comes to whey and kind of your training or even your client's training... If they can, and the majority of their kind of program is optimal, and their nutrition is optimal, I always encourage people to consume whey post-workout. Everyone says there's this anabolic window and whatnot. Um, However, there's not exactly enough literature to prove this. However, that's the point in which the tissues are going to be most sensitive to protein absorption. So you'd be silly not to take a meal in or take a protein shake kind of immediately. However, this is again like kind of a 10 percenter. Make sure training's optimal, make sure nutrition's optimal, sleep, everything, and then start focusing on these things. Boom, so that wraps that up. Are you getting con? Just look, honestly, like what am I spending my money on right now? Where is it going towards? And would I be better off spending this money on whole foods and education? to constantly remain at the top of my game. So that wraps up today's episode. Make sure you subscribe. If you like these, please leave us a review and just tell one friend about the Business Meets Fitness podcast and also check out the Millennial Air podcast while you're at it. See you in the next episode.